This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, faced with the question, where did they go next with this podcast? The guys were recently joined by legendary musical genius Bruce Dickerson, who's agreed to be the new producer of the Stack and Benjamin show. They were all excited to meet him. Hey, fellas, I'm Bruce Dickerson. Yes, the Bruce Dickerson. You have a dynamite sound, fantastic sound. I have only one suggestion. More cowbell. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and when's the last time you negotiated for a better salary? If you don't remember, then now's a great time. Helping us make negotiations a no-brainer, we welcome a woman who specializes in helping people to show off their accomplishments. It's the scholarship shark herself, Pam Andrews. And this guy last got a raise for more MREs for his underground bunker. From LenPenzo.com, it's Len Penzo. And the guy who is always involved in negotiations with his kids and even sometimes wins, it's OG. Plus, are you over 50 and nearing retirement? Landing the plane can be a complicated process. So during today's Friday FinTech segment, we'll shine the spotlight on a company that has an app to make this process easier. Ryan Horgan from Silver. Later, we'll magnify Corey's money. He wants to know about investing in real estate. Should he do it? And if so, how? And I'll wow you with some of my celebrity-themed trivia. And now, a guy who should pay very close attention to the woman from Silver, it's Joe Sihai. I think there's an old guy joke in there, but hey, I'm happy with the gray hair. This is, by the way, <laughs> finance is the one place where having gray hair is 
phenomenal. I remember when I was a financial planner, just the fact I had glasses, they asked me if I wanted to have uh, contacts. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to be able to strategically take the glasses off and point them. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> anyway, welcome to Friday. I am Joe Salci. I average Joe money on Twitter. And what a band of characters we have with us today. We'll save our special guest for last, but let's start across the card table from me where my friend OG is here. I love your gamesmanship of financial planning and uh, glasses etiquette. Yeah, well, <laughs> anything to win, right? Like, uh-huh, three out of four doctors think you're wrong. Tell me again what your it's retirement so goal is. Yeah, It's so good. Sit back in the chair, nod. Do you, do you gnaw on the bottom of them, too, while you're thinking? I don't know. I don't uh-huh. think about that. Uh-huh. 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 Hmm. Hmm. Not sure. And the whole time, like he knew 10 seconds into their question what the answer was. Well, yeah. How are you, man? Good. Another Friday. It is another Friday. And guess who's here with us? Uh, You. And the guy deep under Los Angeles, Mr. Len Penzo joins us. You know what? I was just thinking, why can't you take out your contact and point it at somebody? I think that would... (laughs) Or better yet, you know, if you had a glass eye, I just I was thinking about that. Take out your glass eye and go glass eye out and point it at. I see you. Make a that'll make a point. (laughs) You know how there's these horrible jokes that haunt you that you learned when you were like 14. There was some joke about this dance and the guy with the wooden eye, and uh, gets up his nerve to is the punchline. I've got my eye on you. (laughs) Uh, That would be a little freaky. In a meeting. <laughs> Knowing you, you'd be cracking up and the clients walking out the door. Like, hold on, wait a minute, I got more. Yes. Exactly. And the woman wondering what the hell she's doing here. It's the woman <laughs> who's going to save this show. It's the scholarship shark herself. Pam Andrews joins us. Hey, Joe. Hi, OG. Hi, Len. You have any dad jokes for us? I don't. I was sitting here thinking like I have absolutely no dad jokes. <laughs> Although I do have sort of a, a maybe a parent joke, especially now that Everyone can relate with a lot of families, you know, having to school from home, you know, because of COVID. So what do you call a mom in the corner talking to herself? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) A parent-teacher conference? Yes. (laughs) Very good. Yes. Correct. That's about all I have. That's it. I have nothing else. So, And she's done. Drop the mic. <laughs> Pam's out of here. Pam, that's better than anything that uh, OG and I just came up with. So good job. <laughs> Pam, you help us help uh, people get scholarship money, which is why I'm glad you're here because you're going to be able to help us with a lot of, you do a ton of negotiation with uh, helping students negotiate and put their best foot forward. Absolutely. And I think that the sooner students begin to think about this process, the better. I mean, of course, you know, little kids are negotiating all the time. So the skill is there. It's just really understanding it, fine tuning it and really using it to achieve your, you know, your ultimate goals, whether it's your college goals or your career goals. So I think we all, to some degree, have negotiation skills. And you also have an awesome podcast about this very topic. I do. The Scholarship Shark Podcast, talking on college admissions and financial aid. Well, you're going to help us today. We're not going to talk about college. We're just going to talk about negotiating. We got three expert negotiators here. Pam's here. OG's here. And Len's here. But first, all right, let's get this party started, everybody. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. 
our piece today comes from the college investor, Robert Farrington and the team over there do a really great job. This is nine salary negotiation tips for recent college graduates. If you want to follow along, just head to our show notes page at stackybedjamins.com. But we're going to go through these one by one because I found each of these pretty interesting. And and Pam is the guest. Let's start with you. When we talk about long-term repercussions of your starting salary and what that means, Cameron Morrison, who's a headhunter and recruiter for startups, writes that the number one tip that Cameron has, Pam, is to be the second to speak. At first, I thought, okay, I get that like like a used car lot, right, at the end. But I even thought that during a salary negotiation, during an interview process, speaking a little less and being pretty succinct, I think might might make you more likable. I think so. I think just saying what you need to say and just pause and wait and just, you know, kind of hear what they're saying and allowing them to think and process out loud and and even lead some of that, knowing what your end game is. But I, I do like that when you actually just say a little bit and you just say absolutely nothing. I think a lot of times we don't like silence. You know, it just feels very uncomfortable and we feel like we have to fill it with something. So a new graduate may feel like, well, let me just give all my credentials or my experience, my internships, my, you know, what I bring to the table, but maybe even just answering the question and just pausing and it shows that you're also reflecting and thinking about what they're saying as well. And you're just not quick to, to get a word out. So I actually like that tip. Len, when you interview people or do you interview people in your job? Absolutely. Yes, I do. Do you find that people that speak less, you like them better? Um, I don't like people that try to dominate the conversation. That's for sure. Can I interrupt um, here for just a quick second? <laughs> It started already. I teed that one up, didn't I? Yeah, I that was pretty I teed that one up for you, OG. Yes. But you know, I, if they dominate, I don't like it. If they're quiet, I don't mind as long as they, when the time comes for them to present their qualifications, that they can articulate them adequately. So it's okay. Yes, that, that's totally fine. But I think it's for me and Pam, I'm going to go back to you for just a second because this is what you do all the time. It seems like quiet is fine as long as you come across as confident, right? I agree. Quiet, quiet and right. meek is, is a problem. Right. And it's okay to maybe ask for clarity. You know, so what I understand you're asking if you're not sure, but definitely answer the question, you know, don't just kind of go in again with your own talking points just to get out what you want to get out, but answer the question because they're asking very specific questions for a reason because they have the job in mind. And I've recently talked to a few students who are pursuing internship opportunities. And we were just going over some of those things for the spring uh, internships. And uh, one thing I talked about too, was just making sure that you listen and you answer all of the questions. If they have many questions, you know, can you tell me about a time when you were involved in a project and what was the outcome and were you pleased with the outcome? So, you know, you want to begin to think and make sure you're hitting all of those because they're asking those questions for a very specific reason. Maybe they want to turn over a project and have you do some project management roles or responsibilities. So I think just thinking long enough to process 
and to answer everything is is really good. Now, not not that like eerie dead silence where it's like crickets and yeah. awkward, you know, like a you know a bad first date, but a uh, blind date maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, but um, that you're thinking and you're answering each of the the questions. But I think that silence is okay. OG, let's bring you into the discussion. As long as the interviewer knows that you're thinking about it. I mean, Pam talks about the awkward silence, but it's okay to sit there for a second and get your thoughts together. One of the ways to do that is, like Pam said, to restate the question. So the question that I hear you asking is this, let me answer this or uh, handle it that way. I can think of a couple of just what we're talking about being the second to speak and thinking about it. And one of the reasons behind that, especially when it comes to like salary negotiations, which is the context of this uh, article is because you're, you have this anchoring, right? And every week on this show, when we have the quiz question, the, the trivia, it's always the first person who puts the anchor in there. It's like, how many billions of dollars? Did t- it's like, oh my gosh, 3 billion. And then like whatever number you had in your head goes out the window. Cause now you're, you've got that $3 billion anchored or whatever it is, you know, for the trivia question. So that's a very real example. I can also but wait give- a minute though, but, 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 but hold on a second that OG, the problem is if you're the second one to say a number mm-hmm. and the other person anchors, let's say that it's Len doing the negotiation, Len, Len sets a really low number. Now he just set the anchor much, much lower than I would have versus <laughs> if I just set a number that was maybe the number I really wanted, I might've anchored him at a higher number. Well, except for the fact that you're not the one coming from the position of power, generally speaking, when you're in the salary negotiation. If you have an idea in your mind of what you want to be paid, the other person should have an idea of what that salary band looks like. As the hiring manager, you're you're probably rewarded for getting people to to, to hire them at less pay. So you know that this job is between fifty and seventy thousand. And if they come in and go, yeah, I was really hoping to be between somewhere between forty and fifty, and go, hey, do I have a deal for you, fifty one five? You know, and you're the hero. You know, you look great. But if you don't have any idea, if you know that that salary range is fifty to seventy, and this comes to preparation of the person being interviewed. If you think you're worth 40 to 50, but the job is 50 to 70 and you say 50, hey, that's on you. You know, you better know that it's 50 to 70 and then be in the ballpark. Another great example of this, I was going to say, is answering the question. The first thing that I thought of, Pam, when you said answer the question that was asked is when you get pulled over for a traffic violation, (laughs) (laughs) right? Do you know why I pulled you over? The answer to that always is no. No. <laughs> if you say, yeah, I was driving 10 miles an hour too fast back there, the cop's going, so uh, oh, 10 miles an hour right. too fast. Good job. Thank you for incriminating yourself, dummy. <laughs> it's probably the marijuana in my trunk. <laughs> exactly. It's maybe the dead person I've got in the trunk. I don't know. Is it blood pooling out of that again? I was stopped earlier for the same thing. Again. <laughs> you know. Let them be the ones that go, let them be the ones that say, you know, you were driving too fast and you can say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, you don't have to like have an affirmation of guilt. You can just say, I I was, I was unaware of that. It's like you were driving 97. It's like, oh God, thank God your radar guns off. I had me at 103. (laughs) (laughs) You know, don't say that stuff. Be the second to speak. Cheryl, Cheryl and I were, were driving along Lake Champlain and there's a bunch of little islands in there and there was some construction going on 
And I get through the construction and I notice that there's this cop follow me with his lights on. And we were having this discussion about where we were going to live next. And I pull over and the, the police officer comes to the, the window and says, do you know why I pulled you over? And I seriously had no idea. I said, no officer. He goes, so you didn't see the sign that said that because of the construction, the speed limit was going down by 15 miles an hour. And I said, no. He goes, so you didn't see the two blinking signs that were there blinking on and off. And I just looked at him and I looked at Cheryl and she starts laughing because we were having this really in-depth conversation. I go, honestly, no. He goes, and you didn't see the two signs after that. <laughs> and you didn't feel the speed bump. <laughs> You're like, I thought that was just another body. <laughs> it more felt like a small child. That's a time when I thought that the anchor may have maybe should have been someplace else. Um, <laughs> but what you're talking about, about doing your research, Len, when you're interviewing people, it says here in the piece, this is the second tip, looking at places like salary.com and Glassdoor. How many people that you're negotiating with, do you know that they've done that type of research? Hopefully almost all of them. I mean, I think most people have a good idea of where they're at. One thing they that they will do, the smart ones, they will say, well, what is, you know, they know the position, they'll know the, the level. There, there are certain levels for your, you know, are you a grade one or a two or a three? And the, the smart ones will ask. They'll say, what is the salary range for this position? I mean, oh, they'll just come good. out and ask it. And that's a fair question. And you have to answer it. You can't lie, and so you give them the range. Because here's another thing. When you apply for a certain range, you know you're in a certain range. Just because you're going to ask for the high end of that range, you got to watch it because you could, uh, you might end up stymieing yourself. I mean, you're, you'll be right up against that glass ceiling, or it's not a glass ceiling. You'll be right up against that ceiling right when you start work. So that might be a signal to you if it's at the top of that range that maybe that position is not for you. And then it's time to negotiate a higher level or, or move on because you, like I said, you'll be stymied. Len brings up an important point, I think, Pam, which is, and especially with the people you work with, people in college, people just getting into the work world, Len talks about asking questions. People, especially when you're, you know, you got somebody across the table from you that's 25 years older than you, it's, it can be a little intimidating asking all those questions. It can. And, and that's where practice comes into play. I'm going to tie it back into a little bit of what I do. So if a student has to interview for the college admissions process, whether it's to get into school or maybe they're applying for a very competitive scholarship and they have an interview or an honors college honors program, there's still that age gap. You know, you're, you're not talking to your peer. So those kinds of skills are very much transferable and you're going to use them over and over and over again. So all the more reason to develop it early on, whether you're negotiating your very first job at the, you know, local restaurant or waiting tables or, you know, practice those skills. So you're right. You're going to most likely have that age gap with someone who's, you know, depending upon if you're a new graduate or you're very early twenties, it could be someone as old as your parent, maybe definitely someone with some significant age, or it could be a group of people. You know, it's not uncommon to have a panel, you know, where you have multiple rounds oh, yeah, of an interview. Yeah. And so knowing what you possess, again, doing your research, I love what you said about knowing the salary and asking, 
you know, that's a very valid question. And then doing some of that research going in, I know LinkedIn uh, for some of the jobs, not all the jobs. And even indeed I've seen, you know, where they have posted starting salary or maybe range. So it's, it's on you to do your homework and to see, is this going to be in line with my cost of living and the salary I would like to start off with? Oh, gee, the third thing on here is to exude confidence. What tips do you have for somebody getting right into the working world to exude confidence? Be confident. (laughs) Be confident. Joe, let me, can I take this? This is one, I think it's important. And I I think most people, there's a lot of young people, especially will make this mistake for me from an interviewer's standpoint. And this is very important. Exuding confidence. Do not confuse that with BSing me, you know, pretending to know more than you don't. To me, a great example of exuding confidence is being able to say you don't know. And so if I'm asking a question and I have a candidate on the other side of that table from me, I love it if they are confident enough to admit they don't know. And a great answer is I don't know, but I'm sure there are many people in the organization that I can learn from this, especially for young engineers or young anybody, really. I mean, that's part of And I'm telling this with my daughter, who's uh, right now working to be a vet tech. She's in a vet's office and she's just starting out. And I tell her it's ask questions and don't pretend to know something you don't. Because that is confidence right there, being willing and able and to go out and ask those questions and admit you don't know things. Pam? I was also going to say, I think being prepared, like preparation helps with confidence. And so going into it, I mean, there there are so many great resources that young people have at their fingertips that I don't think they take advantage of. So I'm going to go back to LinkedIn. One of the things you can do in LinkedIn is to search for people at that particular job. Part of that research can be reaching out to them and talking to them. So I'm going to tie it back to what I do with students. In the high school process, when they're considering colleges and looking ahead and thinking about schools, I tell them, and this is why I have, and you know this, Joe, in our the Stacking Benjamins Scholarship Mastery, and that's a shameless plug for the program. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that I require is that students in the very first module, they're building their LinkedIn profile. And so when you're thinking about that as a high school student beginning to connect with professors, with research opportunities, with internship opportunities, with faculty that you may want to be a TA, a teacher's assistant, or, you know, have some meaningful experience. Again, what you do early on transfers to later on in college and beyond. So having that confidence, do your homework, reach out, search for people who work, search for people who have that position and talk to them. What do they love about the job? And and then you can tie it back in and say, oh yeah, you know, I had the opportunity to speak with a few people in the IT department and they shared, you know, blah, 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 blah. The same way you do with schools, tell my high schoolers, you you know, when you're, you're in the interview for the college admissions, you're going to stand out when you say, yes, you know, I spoke to professor so-and-so and I read his publication in this journal and it's like, whoa, you know, what 17 year old is doing that? So being prepared, take advantage of the online resources to learn more about the position and about the company as well. You know, a lot of confidence from where I sit is nonverbal cues. And it was amazing when I was taught public speaking, when I was with American Express and was one of 12 advisors that would go talk around the country, that they spent most of their time on the nonverbal stuff. Not about learning how to say these words or those were important too, but we spent so much time on lean forward, shoulder straight, 
on making sure that your clothing is freshly pressed and looks decent and that you nod and you make eye contact (laughs) with people. Eye contact is a big thing. So we would practice looking around the room at different people to keep them engaged. And obviously after a time, you got so good at speaking with people that you wouldn't even think anymore about exactly what you were saying. You knew what you were saying. And I would spend most of my time looking around the room to make sure people weren't sleeping. Because whenever I look at you, you'd immediately wake up. You're like, oh, he's talking to me. And it was amazing how powerful that was. The nonverbal stuff, I think, is really important. And if you're practicing, practice that along with it. Practicing your salary pitch they have next. You talked earlier, uh, Pam, about practicing that. But I like this one, OG. Consider the offer. Cameron writes, this one feels a little like the don't call until after three days rule, which when you get the phone number of an attractive person, it's just about as cheesy, but it does undeniably work. After a firm offers on the table, ask if you can consider it overnight, suggest you want to talk it over with your spouse or compare it to some other opportunities, or just say you want to think it over. This accomplishes two goals. First, it demonstrates you're willing to take the time to carefully think about important decisions And then second, it also adds a little uncertainty to their minds as you mull it over. And if you say that you're interested, but you want more money, if you waited two days before you did that, it makes it even more impactful because they think you're really interested. Would that that work with you? Well, I think that when it comes to any sort of big decision, whether it's a money decision or a life decision, even if it's the thing that you want, you have to take some time with it. You know, you can have the answer. You can say that this is what I want to do. We walked in the house and went, oh my goodness, this is where we want to raise our family. You only have to watch one or two of those like homebuyer shows to watch the realtors go, don't say that to the other agent. Like, let me try to negotiate from a position of like, "Eh, maybe they like it or maybe they don't. Like, just keep it to yourself. You know, there is some power in that. Even if it's the thing that you want or it's the perfect job and it's a perfect offer, if you come jumping off the table like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I want, what does the other person immediately think? Dang it. I should have lowballed you a little bit more. You know, right? And so you yeah. want it to be just a little bit of a for lack of a better term, cat and mouse a little bit, right? You want to have a little bit of gamesmanship in there. But I do think that it also gives you an opportunity to seriously consider all of the pros and cons. Because in the moment, you're going, this is exactly what I wanted. It's da, 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 da. But then when you take a second, take a step back, talk to other people, like Pam said, or talk to your significant other spouse or parents or siblings or somebody that's been down this path already, they can say, well, here's some things to also consider. Maybe the vacation policy isn't as, isn't as great as you thought, or how come they're not offering you stock options instead or something like that? That's great. Len, anything uh, from your experience in negotiations and interviews that we maybe didn't cover? Well, I'm on. I'm not an HR, so I don't negotiate from the company side. I've, but I can say from my own experience, what I've done is, personally, I'd say never set a, a number of a number of yourself out there. And that was covered in the beginning. But once they come up with a number, think it over. And then when you come back with a higher percentage or I say 10% more, don't just say, I want, you know, Hey, I'm looking for 10% more. It's important to, to say why, look, I need 10% more because, uh, the cost of living here is expensive. I've been looking at houses in the area and I, I need this based on all the other bills I have. I have to have at least 10% more, give them a reason why, and put that doubt in their mind that if they don't come through, they might lose you. 
because they want you. If they didn't want you, they wouldn't have made an offer. They wouldn't have extended the offer. So you have the power. Once they extend that offer, you have the power. The power switches. So remember that. But give them a reason to put some a seed of doubt in their mind that if they don't match your counter offer, that they might lose you. Pam, you're the guest of honor. You've got the last word. What's what's one other tip we didn't cover? I would also add, and it kind of ties back to what was said a little bit earlier, but make sure you're asking just one good closing question so that, again, they know that you're interested. It's almost like a hook where you're letting them know, you know, even if you are going back and thinking about it or you ask for more money, you know, you're leaving them with something again, where you kind of put the ball back in their court and it's not just with you. So that's the one tip, I, the final tip I would give. This episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. It's Friday, and that means it's Friday FinTech. But uh, before we get to that, OG, you had one more thing. I was thinking about uh, being memorable. Pam, you said be memorable. One of the activities that I do requires an application process, and uh, you have to send in your resume of, of accomplishments and then also a picture of yourself because you have to look good in this thing. It's not podcasting. This isn't what I'm talking about. Something else. The hiring that's, man- why went, that's why we went into podcasting. Exactly. You don't have to look good. <laughs> I know. So the hiring person, the hiring manager for this uh, was telling a story about how somebody sent in their, their picture, but it was them in a clown suit. You're kidding me. He said, so, you know, maybe this will be, this guy's definitely memorable. I don't know whether or not it's going to work or not. So you got to balance the risk reward ratio on that of being memorable. Don't show up to your interview in a clown suit. You will be remembered but probably not for the reasons that you thought. Well, and I've heard though, Pam, about sending like your resume in some, you know, different colored paper or sending scented, it some, you, like you're, lilac, you're your head, you open no. it out with no. there's glitter everywhere. <laughs> you want to be one yeah, of those? It's like fluff. It's, it's fluff. And it's, it, you know, people can read through that. And when you've got substance and you show up with substance, that's what stands out. So no clown suit. Got a, it. <laughs> no clown suit. I, I love how we have a segment so good it spills over into the next segment. This segment, though, is our Friday FinTech segment where we love all the cool apps on your phone, all the new things, all the people out there that are dreaming up new ways to be better at money. And today we've got one. Uh, Len, I suppose this one's for you and I only on this call because this is for people of a certain age. The app is called Silver. <laughs> it's the first all-in-one app dedicated to helping baby boomers navigate retirement. Are you are you technically a baby boomer? I'm a Gen X. I'm the I, vanguard of Gen X. I'm Gen X. I'm Gen X as well. So this isn't for either of us, but but 
I love what they do here and the interface is super slick and I wanted to hear more about it. And plus, this is an area where we don't see that many apps. So I'm really excited to hear about innovation for baby boomers. Let's say hi to Ryan Horgan from Silver. Yeah, now my dad, shortwave radio from Silver. I'm happy to be talking to my new friend, Rian Horgan. How are you? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Well, it, your app is so fascinating to me because usually, as you know, Rian, we're talking to the 20 year olds, right? And you, I mean, 20 year olds maybe can come along for the ride if they want to know ahead of time what to do. But tell me about the origin story for Silver. So I um, was really inspired by my own family to, to build the app Silver. I had worked at JP Morgan for about 17 years and so had become that trusted child in my household that was helping my parents navigate retirement. We had this conversation probably for a decade about when, but about five years ago, the conversation shifted from when to how. And it was the how that really boggled my mind. You know, here I am, someone who's worked in finance for 17 years, feeling pretty financially literate. And all of a sudden, I'm buying this like, 300 page book on social security. Right. I'm reading the 50 page. Yeah. For people watching the video, tell them the book that you have up. Oh, it's like, get what's yours. And it's like 360 pages of rules on how to navigate social security. And I thought to myself, like, how is the average person going to be successful if they have to read 360 pages? Like a good Gen Xer, I went on the internet and I went onto the social security website and there I found 10 calculators to help me calculate my social security benefits. And it just all kind of blew my mind. So I saw all this as I was trying to help my own parents and I thought to myself, like, there's got to be a better way. You know, I, I was already using platforms like Betterment myself to help manage my own retirement savings. But I realized really quickly that there was this big difference between people that are saving for and accumulating wealth for retirement and then this whole decumulation journey. So, you know, figuring out when you're going to elect Social Security, what you're going to opt into in Medicare, which account you take savings out of, you know, on a monthly basis in retirement. It is a new set of decisions. And for some reason, technology had not come to the space. So we were forcing this consumer to, to go back to this old school way of talking to a financial advisor, a planner, an accountant. You know, the list went on and on. And I knew that there was all this technology. So I thought to myself, you know, how about we take all this great tech rails that have already been built for fintech. And why don't we apply it to this big problem that this consumer has, which is some of the probably the most consequential financial decisions they're going to make of their lifetime. How do we actually build an app that empowers them to make these decisions? Well, not only with your own own family, but I have to imagine, Rhea, and also from your time at JP Morgan, you know as well as I do, this is when everybody freezes, right? There's so many big decisions to make. And to your point, you're holding up a 350-page book written by these experts in the topic. Like, how do you make it so that it's accessible for people? Yeah. So one of the core values at our company is how do we be human in a world that sees numbers? Like we've built all the algorithms for social security. So I can tell you it is complicated, but one of the beauties of working in technology is that we can build an interface that makes it really easy for the consumer to now navigate these decisions. I think a lot about is there's a lot of very interconnected decisions around healthcare and financial decisions and retirement. If we build great technology, we can really expose the pieces that matter to the consumer rather than force them to read this whole 380 page book. Right. You know, and, and so I think it's just a, the mindset is I want to give you confidence. I want to empower you. I want to let you live your best next act. And right now this consumer is feeling very cautious 
Um, you know, these are big decisions that they often can only make once. And so like our, and you know, I saw you've downloaded the app, like the whole app is, it's really about making you feel comfortable and empowered about the decisions you're making. It very much was. It was super easy for me to download immediately. It has these warm, comforting colors. Very easy. It says step one of two, getting started. So I know there's only two steps that I need to take, which also makes me feel confident. Walk everybody through it if they haven't downloaded the app. Tell If I download Silver, which by the way is S-I-L-V-U-R, what do people get when they download it? Yeah. So getting started with Silver is really easy. We're going to ask you a couple of questions around your age, your gender, your marital status. That's important as you enter into retirement because you might, if you're divorced, for example, have divorce benefits associated with social security. Um, We're going to ask you a few pieces of information about your savings. You can either connect your accounts with Plaid or you can enter the information yourself. And from that, the first thing we give every single one of our customers is a free retirement score. Um, The idea behind the retirement score is that we kept hearing from our customers that they were afraid of running out of their savings in retirement. And no one was really able to say like how long their savings were going to last. So what we've done um, is we've actually created this retirement score that very simply tells you the age at which your savings run out. So, you know, Joe, you may be in the midst of doing it. And let's say the number that comes out is 85. I don't know a lot about like how you feel about longevity. Like if everyone in your family lives until they're 95, you're not going to feel like that number is good. And you're going to look to us for advice on how you can improve the number. But if most men in your family live until late seventies and a number of 85 might actually be perfectly fine. So that retirement score is really intended to kind of hit at the heart of this like new challenge that baby boomers have, which is they have to make sure that their savings last a lifetime. And so what we do through that score is then we give you very simple ways that you can extend the life of your money. It might be adding part-time income in retirement. A lot of people are not moving into retirement, you know, from full-time to not working hundred percent. They're often transitioning in with part-time work. I think a lot of us have actually seen during COVID that our spending has been reduced, right? As we've yeah. transitioned from going to the movies to having a Netflix membership, you know, seeing the power of, you know, reducing your spending by $250 a month could add two or three years to your score. So it gives um, our customers these, I think, really achievable things that they can do to add two to five years onto their score. Well, and I love that too, just being able to play with these numbers and see the see what this one simple action does. And yeah. I imagine you got to have a lot of users then, Rian, that do either or. Well, I, I, I might go back to work or I might just reduce my spending a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, the the behavior that we see is this kind of like, what if? So what if I did this? And so I think if you're in your mid 50s to early 60s, you have kind of this like mental model of what you think your next act looks like, but a fair amount of it is still flexible. And so what we find is that consumers are coming to us and it's like this one place that they can come that they can move all the pieces at once. And that's been, I think, you know, really empowering for the consumer to see is that, you know, you can... It, it, you don't you don't have to work five years longer. It could be about reducing your spending, or it could be about moving from New York to to Florida, or it could be about adding part time income. Like it doesn't have to be like you have to work ten more years to make this work. I have to divide my audience in half right now, and I'm I'm already hearing half of them groan, and the other half get really excited because I'm going to ask just one super nerd question. Sure, which is. How do you base that end date on? Is that like a Monte Carlo score? And see, now I'm already losing half my audience, Rian. Is it a Monte Carlo score? Is it an internal spreadsheet? Like, can you tell us kind of how you come up with that number a little bit? Yeah, sure. So we have over 3,000 data points that we're using to create this retirement score. And so some of that is industry data, like 
um, social security calculations, Medicare costs, inflation estimates, tax brackets. So that's all, no matter who you are, we're going to pull that data set in, but then we're going to pair it with the personal information you've given us about your profile. You know, are you married? Are you single? What age are you? What do your retirement savings look like? Where do you live? And we pull all that data together to come up with that score. Awesome. And uh, for the half of you that I lost there, we're back. That's the only one I had. For, for the nerds out there, the Uber nerds, I'm sorry. That's all I'm going to ask there. You can look into Silver yourself and find out, find out more. The, the app is free. It's super easy to use. I can play around with it. This is all my understanding. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. How do you guys actually make money then? Yeah. So today, the way we make money is through our retirement store. And here we've brought together a series of partners who have the products and services that our customers are going to need as they retire. So think about navigating pre-Medicare healthcare plans or buying Medicare for the first time. We have a partner that we work with and um, we're an affiliate of theirs. Um, same thing, you know, a lot of our customers um, are thinking about refinancing their homes or downsizing and buying a new home as they transition into retirement. What we've done with those partners is we really try to think about what are the big trends, um, what are the big decisions this customer is making and how can we make sure that these decisions improve their scores? Um, so these partners, what we're doing is we're showing you the savings that you get by working with them, which ultimately, you know, go back into our long-term goal, which is make your money last longer. Gotcha. So there's no additional fee to go through you guys to use any of this stuff. It's the same price as if they went there, but you're showing people how to plug it in. Exactly. And look, and I think what, you know, many of our consumers are coming to us just for, I would call it like a second opinion. It could be that you have your own plan, right? And you want to just like check in with us and get like another view. It could be you even have a financial advisor and you just want to have like an independent check on it. I, you know, I, what I find is that our consumers are really savvy. They've, you know, if you're in your, like our average consumer is 58 years old, they've been buying financial products for 30 years. They want to do their research and they want to make, they want to get really smart and be informed as they make these decisions. And our goal is to be there to like help them feel smart about the decisions they're making. Uh, one of my favorite commercials out there is this guy new series. I think it's Geico commercials that are all about not becoming your parents. Have you seen those? Yes. You know, and your app is built specifically for your parents. Was there any special considerations you had to make because you're working with people who are older? Um, so I, I did a little Google stalking of you, Joe, before I got on. So I'm, I hope I don't, I hope I don't embarrass you. So you're not quite our consumer, but you're pretty close, right? I'm, so I late just, Gen X, I not just, quite baby boomers. I was going right? to say, I just joined AARP. Yeah. Okay. Right. So there you go. So there's a tremendous amount of age bias out there in the market. Most of the technology community believes that if you're over the age of 50, you don't know how to use your phone or your computer, which is just ridiculous. Remember baby boomers invented the internet. The reality, however, is that if you are 58 years old, you do navigate the internet differently than a 40-year-old. And like myself in my early 40s, I navigate the internet differently than my six and eight-year-old child. So my, my children grew up in a world that everything was touchscreen, right? And so they touch everything and are kind of shocked. Like the concept of a mouse is kind of foreign to them. So what we've done is we've just spent a lot of time really with our customers, making sure we understand how they navigate these decisions. And I think probably the, the biggest surprise that we've seen is that, and what, particularly when I contrast it to, um, to uh, the stereotypical millennial, where the kind of, I'd say the stereotype is that a millennial wants everything easy, fast, quick. What we have seen with baby boomers is that these are really important decisions and they want an experience that allows them to spend time with us. Mm. And that's actually why we developed the app, because we wanted to create was an ecosystem where you could read articles about Social Security. You could play with a Medicare calculator. You could change your zip code and think about, like, what did Florida look like versus New York? You know, spending time to really understand how do you design that experience? 
The other thing I would say is that, um, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, is that you know we use a company called Plaid to help pull our customer data in. But what we've found is that a lot of baby boomers have never used a platform like Plaid before. Yeah. And so we give you the option to either add in asset account details yourself or you can connect it with Plaid because what we know is that our customer hasn't done that before. And so I think you have to really listen to your consumer. You design an experience that makes them feel empowered. I do not believe in the narrative that if you're over the age of 50, you don't know how to use your phone or your computer, you're just using it differently. And so the next time you're like, if you're in your twenties or thirties today, listening to this podcast, if you're laughing at the way your mom and dad are using their phone, remember that that app probably wasn't designed for them. It was probably designed for a 25 year old. And so what, what we're laughing at is them trying to interact with a product that actually wasn't built for them. Yeah. And I, I do think those stereotypes, I mean, as, as a guy of my age, I do think some of those stereotypes are so off, but I, but I will say this, I am reminded by Cheryl, my spouse, that the waiter doesn't need to know my name. I am, I, I, I am, I am reminded of that from time to time and the construction people out taking care of our house. They don't really need me looking over their yes. shoulder, telling them which wrench they should use. I used it on Apple. Is it also available through Google? Um, so today it's um, available on Apple. Um, this year we'll be bringing a lot of it actually to the web and through the oh, web cool. you'll be able to okay. access it on Android. Um, what we've just found is that our earliest customers um, were mostly on iPhones. And so that's where we started. Yeah, but that'll also make it so I can use it on my desktop too. Exactly. Yeah, yep. which is cool. And is that the big thing you're working on right now, Rian? I know that founders like you are always working on and thinking three steps forward. Tell us where you plan to go in the future. Yeah, so a couple of things we're working on. One is going to the web. You know, we know a lot of our customers um, today actually keep a lot of information in spreadsheets. And so it's really how do we help them navigate what's in their spreadsheet, you know, bring it back online into looking at the, the web as part of that solution. Going deeper on the categories that we know our customers care about. I, I've mentioned relocation a couple of times. Yeah. Um, our customers are thinking about moving and you know, I can tell you that your retirement score can often change by five years um, wow. just by changing your zip code from New York to Florida. And so, you know, really spending time on developing the features that help our customers. And the third thing is this intersection of health and wealth and retirement. Um, you know, I've been really blessed in my life that I have not found healthcare to be a financial issue, but I will tell you that every single baby boomer I talk to speaks about healthcare in a financial term. And that's because the average American couple will spend $280,000 on healthcare over the course of retirement. And that's, by the way, excluding spending any time in a nursing home. So Whoa. you think $280,000, that's a financial issue. Unfortunately, today, the financial advisor community is really um, ill-equipped to have conversations about the cost of healthcare and retirement. And that's where I actually get really excited about our ability to help our customers budget for healthcare within their plan. And so for us, it's all about like, how do we help you go deeper, you know, understanding, you know, what your health profile looks like, understanding what sort of insurance you have today versus what you're looking to have in the future, creating that more precision around the healthcare plan, I think will be very, very important as you know consumers face these kind of skyrocketing healthcare costs. Biggest worry I saw when I was a financial planner, and it's so much more expensive today than it was then, was how am I going to handle healthcare? I mean, there was, there was no bigger issue. That was it. Yeah. There's part of it, though, that's known and part of it that's unknown. So I think there's the known known, which is the Medicare piece. And so that, I think, through um, a lot of the data that's available today, you can actually fairly precisely add a lot of information to your budget through our app and we'll be adding features there. The unknown is the long-term care piece. Right. And, you know, I hear a lot of our customers saying, well, look, that's probably what, what, what I'll use my home for. So, you know, the kids might get an inheritance, 
but that's only if I don't need to be in long-term care. And so I think that's, you know, there's going to be an evolution there, but it's a crisis that we have in America, which is, you know, the cost of healthcare, particularly the unknown piece, not only creates the anxiety, but it creates this massive financial liability. It's called Silver. It's spelled S-I-L-V-U-R. We'll have a link in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com if you're out walking the dog. Rian, thanks a ton for talking to a different set of people that we usually talk to. We're talking about fintech. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Hey, trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And did you know that today is Oprah Winfrey's birthday? If you didn't know, she's actually pretty rich, and which has got me thinking. She made her money from having a TV show. I can totally do that. I've already got the name of it, too. It'll be called Deep Thoughts with Doug. During the show, I'll ponder some of life's most difficult questions like, if the number two pencil is the most popular pencil in school, why is it still number two? Or... What was the best thing before sliced bread? I'll have a few more perplexing questions for you after today's trivia. Since we're honoring Oprah, how many episodes of the Oprah Winfrey Show have there been? All right, stackers, you heard Doug. Normally at this point in the show, we have a competition between our roundtable participants. But guess what happened? When I went to talk to Ryan, my internet gave out and we abruptly had to finish that session and we were not able to finish it. The good news is all we had left was a magnified money question and we had the trivia. So today, instead, we're going to have you play the trivia game. Now, I do know this. Len actually won this trivia question so our question is going to be this, what was Len's answer? And the person who is closest to Len's winning answer is going to win uh, some Stacky Benjamin swag. So here's the deal. Send it to me, Joe at StackyBenjamins.com, your answer. And we will play the trivia game with everybody who wants to play it. That should be some fun, shouldn't it? So think about the answer to the question. If you want, go look it up. I don't think looking it up is going to help in this case, but uh, we'll be right back with Doug's thrilling answer. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together we can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps 
And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? Uh, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy and Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. Hey, stackers. Thanks for tuning back into Deep Thoughts with Doug. With none other than your host, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Unlike most people around here, I don't just talk a good game. I've created some episodes of Deep Thoughts with Doug. Check out this little slice. Time for another Deep Thought from Doug. Did you ever realize that we all have about two minutes to live, but every time you take a breath, it resets the clock? Love it? Stay tuned for more future classics like Why Do British People Never Sound British When They Sing? Or At What Point Does It Stop Being Partly Cloudy and Start Being Partly Sunny? And finally, this doozy of a question. Why do we drive on parkways and park on driveways? As you can see, I'll have no shortage of interesting topics to ponder. Let's get back to the host we're currently celebrating today, though. Our trivia question was, how many episodes of the Oprah Winfrey Show have there been? Well, Oprah's hit show aired from September 8th, 1986 to May 25th, 2011, with a total of 4,561 episodes. I'll have no issues coming up with that many deep thoughts. Here I come, Oprah. See ya. And there you have it. 4,561 episodes for Oprah Winfrey. And I can't believe those shows ended in 2011. 
it just seems like she was such an iconic and still is such an iconic figure that you just think of the Oprah Winfrey show still being a part of uh, the fabric of our day. And it's been gone for a decade. Hey, let's take out the magnifying glass today and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you go to stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnify money, you'll find those financial products you use every day. They're nowhere near best in class. If you're going to compare checking accounts, savings accounts, consolidation loans, no fee, low interest credit cards to roll your high interest debt to whatever it might be, stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnify money helps you get there. And today's a treat for me because uh, I get to answer Corey's letter by myself. Uh, say hi, Corey. Hey, Joe and OG. Real estate question for you. I'm 26 with job stability and decent retirement and brokerage accounts, and I'm looking for more ways to build modest cash flow and long-term diversified wealth. What are your thoughts on investing in real estate? And if I'm choosing between REITs or hard rental properties, which would you choose? I want it all to be as passive as possible and maximize cash flow and long-term value. Thanks, and please make sure Doug is wearing clothes when he reads the credits today. Can't have him running around the neighborhood naked. We, we cannot, Corey. Thanks for the question. And we did ask the roundtable team all what they thought. We started out with Pam, who has no experience in real estate. And her answer, Corey, to your question was that she thinks sticking with REITs is the easier way to go. Of course, you can get involved in individual properties, but there's so much to know and there's a lot of legwork that comes with it. And our entire roundtable team, by the way, agreed with that assessment. And I'm going to also agree with that assessment. I've, I've owned rental property. I am a fan of owning rental property. If you have the time to get into it, I think that you're also going to make a lot of mistakes when you own rental property. I know that uh, my son owns three rental properties. He'll tell you he's made some big mistakes and he's done things like taken Paula Pant's course. He hangs out on bigger pockets. He really knows a lot of good people in the real estate market. And <laughs> there's a lot of bad people, by the way, in the real estate market. And he's surrounded himself with some really good people and still things are different when you actually do it than it is on paper. So I would go get your feet wet very quickly if you're going to own individual properties. But my advice to most people is buy the REIT. It's much more liquid. You can't sell a house and get your money in the next few days. The REIT is liquid if it's a traded REIT, which is 99% of the ones that you would buy, like the like the REIT fund offered by Vanguard. You also diversify. So if there ends up being problems with the house or, or one property, that doesn't sink all of your money. Of course, if you hit it big time with a single property, that's fantastic. Also not going to happen with a REIT, right? I have seen when the market's gone up, some REITs that have done very well. I know at one point in my career, there was a REIT investing in uh, nursing homes and uh, long-term care facilities. Uh, that did incredibly well. And this was a time when that section of the uh, of the industry, there's a huge, huge building boom and a lot of people getting into, into that. And this REIT was right on top of that. But that's definitely the exception, not the rule. But for more liquidity, for diversification, for ease of management, Corey, uh, we really like the REIT over buying a single property. If you are going to buy a single property, do what uh, my son did, do what a lot of uh, great real estate investors that are friends of mine have done, and surround yourself with good people. 
Big thanks to Corey for the question. If you've got a question for us, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And hopefully we'll have the entire roundtable team answer the question instead of just me at the end of the show. A lot of people to thank. Uh, you will find Pam Andrews Scholarship Shark Podcast wherever you're listening to us. You'll also find Pam's scholarship mastery course that she teaches for us here at Stacking Benjamins at stackybenjamins.com forward slash scholarship. Not open now, but you can get on the waiting list when we open it again here soon. Of course, you can find Len Penzo's lenpenzo.com on your browser. Just point you to lenpenzo.com. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, man. We brought this thing in for a landing. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our roundtable. To get your dream job with the right pay, make sure you know the market, know your worth, and can confidently sell yourself. Second, take a lesson from Silver. As you near retirement, make sure to use tools at your disposal to see how far your money will go. But you don't have to be over 50 to plan for your retirement. But the big lesson... When you clean a vacuum cleaner, you become a vacuum cleaner. Deep thoughts and more at no extra charge. Thanks to Scholarship Shark Pam Andrews for joining us. You can learn more about our scholarship program that Pam runs at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash scholarships. And you'll find her Scholarship Shark podcast wherever you're listening to us now. Thanks to Len Penzo. To see what's up with Len, you can find him at lenpenzo.com. And last, thanks to Rian Horgan from Silver for stopping by the basement. You can learn more about Silver by heading to our show notes page or going to silver.com. I would suggest they go to a spell check, though, because silver is spelled S-I-L-V-U-R dot com. Got a guess for my trivia question? Send those to joe at stackingbenjamins.com. The closest is going to take home some sweet stacker swag. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Karen Rapine and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. What was that? It's called the medium sketch. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare, and it certainly wasn't well done. <laughs>
Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.